0: 37 years ago, my first day of seminary at Perkins School of Theology at SMU, I was really blessed in one of those random occurrences that change your life. I was — in the first class that we had, we were all in one big auditorium room, and I was sitting near the back, right behind me, was this fella, John Robbins. He was just a youngster out of Tarleton State, 22 years old, and he made me laugh. And he made me laugh, and for 37 years we have been laughing and crying ever since. We've become the closest of friends. I can't tell you, through the years, all the little churches in Central Texas, parsonages that we have moved each other into harvey sent us as district superintendent yes. to several of these yes. and we would move around the conference with all kinds of stories in fact john moved me into white's chapel june of 1992 and most of our belongings were in a cattle trailer as we came from grandview he was here that day and through the years we've just been the closest of friends And it's been amazing. John has served some of the most prestigious churches in Methodism, in Texas, and in Arkansas. He's a great preacher. More than that, he's a great leader. He just brings the church to life. He is in every church that he has pastored, it has flourished because he has a heart for mission, he has a heart for people. He is just an amazing person. Right now he is a senior pastor at Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, which is the lead church in the state of Arkansas. And John preaches on TV throughout the whole state every weekend to 50, 60, 70,000 people listen to him. And honestly, he can't go anywhere in the state of Arkansas that people don't recognize him and want to come see and talk to Dr. Robbins. So I will tell you, John is is a, a, a great preacher, um, he is a great pastor, um, he is a great leader. He literally is the voice, the heart, the conscience of Methodism in the state of Arkansas, but a, a dear, dear friend, but more than that, my brother. So John, we welcome you well, this day to White that. Chapel. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank <laughs> you,
1: Listen, if you're really, really depressed and you have no sense of self-worth or self-esteem, have some kind of event where John introduces you. And then when it's all said and done, you just go, man, I am awesome, I really am awesome. I hope you all don't realize how awesome I am. So thank you, John, I appreciate that very much. What a privilege, I did help John move in. And it was such a traumatic experience to move him in. At the time, I was serving in Troy, Texas, which is between Waco and Austin, and John was being moved to Southlake. He called me and he said, this was in 1992. You know anything about Southlake, Texas at all? I said, man, they have an awesome football team. That's all I know. It's a little bitty town, John. That can't be where they're sending you. That's just not right. Well, guess what? We moved him up here that day. When I got home that night, I told my wife, Susan, I said, I, I don't know what John did, but he upset the bishop somehow. They sent him. So. And John called me that night, and at the time, the bishop had a rule you had to stay somewhere three years. John called me that night crying, and I said, Look, man, do your three years and then get out of there. <laughs> 31 years later, he's still here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's extraordinary. In fact, what's even more extraordinary is when we moved John in, Whitechapel had 300 members. You all have 16,000 something now. Who has an orchestra every Sunday and a 7,000 voice choir? Oh my gosh. It's unbelievable. I told John and Todd, I said, what's happening to me? I don't know where I am. This is incredible. You all do a masterful job every Sunday. I need to get on and preach. I'm grateful for the privilege of being here. I baptized my granddaughter Sadie Susanna at the 930 service. That's why I'm here. I know it's spring break and I know we've had a time change. And with that in mind, John said, hey, how about you come and preach? So, I'm so honored. Thank you, John. I'm kidding. I I cannot tell you how grateful and privileged I am to be here. Truly. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day and work your will in our lives. Amen. During my years of ministry, I have served three churches that after my time as pastor relocated. Two of the churches had to relocate because they simply outgrew the facilities, On another occasion, one of the churches had to relocate because of the expansion of I-35. Almost 10 years after I left one of these churches, Susan and I happened to be driving through the same town. It was a county seat town, kind of in the central Texas area. A big touristy town. I'll just tell you, Granbury, Texas. So when I was the pastor there, the church was on the square and we were outgrowing the facilities. There was a lake on one side, the courthouse on the other side. There just wasn't a whole lot of room. We began the process of relocation. I was moved and the years went by, they relocated. Susan and I found ourselves in Granbury and I said, let's drive by and see the new facility, see what it looks like. It'd been there seven or eight years by then. We drove by a beautiful structure. They're doing great ministry in that community. It was very impressive. And then I said, let's go and see what happened to the old church on the square. What does it look like now? What happened to it? Holy smoke. So we get there and we go up to what was the sanctuary. Now this was about 10 years ago. I don't know what it is now, but when we pulled up there, we got out of the car and the sanctuary was now a dance hall. And in the sanctuary, we walked around and on the very spot where I would lay hands on children that were being baptized or confirmed, where I would preside at weddings or funerals, on that very spot stood a margarita machine. (laughs) I mean, I'm just having a hard time with that. I was like, this is really strange to me. We walked around a little bit. We went down. And when I was there, we built a beautiful multi-purpose facility. It was Austin Stone exterior. It was a gorgeous structure. It was now a steakhouse. That was really odd to me. But the oddest, most surreal moment of the whole time we were there was what happened next. I said, let's go down and see what my office looks like. We walked down this long hallway, and when we got there, I almost fell on my knees. I didn't know what to do with it because what had once been my office, where I counseled people and where I studied and prepared sermons, it was now a lingerie store. (laughs) And when we walked inside, I said to the owner, the proprietor, listen. This used to be my office. And she goes, Yeah, right. And I said, No, I promise. This used to be my office. Do you mind if I walk around? And she said, Sure. I walked around, went in, and I had a collection of Bibles that I kept there. And on that very spot where I at one time had my collection of Bibles, there was now a stack of women's unmentionables that you could buy. They're reasonably priced, by the way, but (laughs) nevertheless. We walked out of there and I told Susan, I said, I'm, I, I don't even know what to do with all this. This is just weird to me. It is just bizarre. I don't know how to, I've lost memory of what it was like when I was here. This is really strange. She said, John, stop, think about it. It just reminds you all the more that the church is not the building. Okay. If the church is not the building, what is the church? The church is a body of people who are broken and sinful and messed up who gather together with the notion that they want to experience somehow the sacred and holy in life to such a degree that it can be a transforming power that can turn them into who God would have them to be fully and completely. That's what it is. And our responsibility is to embrace that, to remind ourselves that the power of God resides within all of us when we gather together and then when we take what it is we've experienced back out into the world. A long time ago, Moses was dealing with the Israelites and reminding them that they would soon enter the promised land. The Israelites had been faithful at times and extraordinarily unfaithful at other times. And what Moses sets out to do is remind them, no matter where you've been in your faithfulness and in your lack of faith, God has been present and God has provided. And this is what Moses says in the book of Deuteronomy. Surely the Lord your God has blessed you in all your undertakings. He knows you're going through this great wilderness These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. What Moses says to the people of Israel is that God provides and God has always provided for you and God will always provide for you. We carry that over into the New Testament because we are New Testament people and the primary way in which we experience the provision of God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. As a part of the body of Christ, we call the church. One day, Andrew and Simon Peter encounter Jesus. And they are smitten with this man. And they tell Philip, their friend. And then Philip goes to Nathanael. And Philip says to Nathanael, we have met the Messiah. He's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says that famous line, is there anything good that can come out of Nazareth? And their response is extraordinary. They say, come and see. Find out for yourself. See, we're naturally curious people. That's just the way we are. If there is a bottleneck, more than likely there's been a wreck or something, people naturally just slow down to see what's happened, what took place. We're just naturally curious people. We do that with all kinds of things. Somebody will come up to you and say, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You can't tell anybody. I'm not even sure if this is true or not, but you're not going to believe what I heard. And then they tell us because we want to know. And then once we know, what do we do? We go to somebody else and say, hey, listen, you can't tell anybody. I'm not even sure if this is true, but guess what? We're curious, naturally curious people. If we see breaking news on the television screen, we stop for a moment to see what has happened. That's just the way we are. Our responsibility is to tap into the curiosity of other people so that they can experience for themselves what Jesus Christ provides in this particular situation in and through the life of White's Chapel Methodist Church. There are people driving by right now, driving by this church who wonder in their own mind, what are they doing in there? What happens in there? Why would those people make the effort, take the time and the energy to be there? What's going on? Well, come and see. It's our responsibility to be the kind of people that in a variety of ways say to folk, come and see what can happen to your life in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ in this situation as a part of Whitechapel Chapel Methodist Church. See, what's extraordinary about being a part of the life of the church is very little criteria. There's very little required of you initially. Your responsibility is just to show up. And something happens when we show up. We may have had a bad week. We have sinned greatly. We may have had a week of frustration. It may have been a week filled with great joy. It doesn't make any difference. When we gather in here, every single one of us fit into the same category. We are a people in need of a Savior. So Sometimes people will say, the problem I have with Christians is they think they're better than everybody else. And I always say to them, we don't think we're better than everybody else. The truth of the matter is, we think we're messed up like everybody else. What makes us different is that we know it, and we cannot save ourselves, and we are aware of that. So we come into the presence of the one who can save us. That's what makes us different. So come and see. Come and see how God provides in and through White's Chapel Methodist Church and all of its ministries. And I believe that the primary way in which we are transformed, the primary way in which we experience the power of the Holy Spirit collectively is through the worship experience. Now there are all kinds of worship experiences that are meaningful to people. Some like contemplative worship. By the way, Victor Resendez, who's your contemplative pastor on staff, used to be on my staff in Houston. Contemplative worship is important. Contemporary worship is important. Traditional worship is important. All of those different ways, we can experience the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit that is transformative, that makes us more like who God would have us to be than when we came in here. And you cannot experience that anywhere else. The PTA doesn't provide that. The Rotary Club doesn't provide that. In Arkansas, even this, even the Arkansas Razorbacks cannot provide that. (laughs) Now, I would never say that in Arkansas, by the way. (laughs) It only happens through the power of the worship experience within the life of the church in a profound way that oftentimes is mysterious to all of us. But what we take here is what we then take out into the world. We are now better for having been here than we were before we came. That is true. John Wesley, converted in a worship experience, Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist in the history of humanity, preached to almost 300 million people face-to-face and billions on television, converted in a worship experience. What happens to you when you come in here? You come in here with an agenda, you come in here with a set, set of beliefs, you come in here with all kinds of things and God just twists that all around, messes all of that up and presents to you the gospel of Jesus Christ in a new and transformative way. So you have people in your own family, you have people in your place of employment, you have folks in your neighborhood who wonder what this is all about. Your responsibility is to say, let me tell you how God can provide for you. Let me tell you what Jesus Christ can do for you. Just come and see. And then you just give it to God from there. That's all you have to do. The only criteria is that once you're here, let the Holy Spirit work on you and then you'll get involved in other stuff. You'll be involved in missions and small groups and Bible studies. You'll be involved in all kinds of things because you desperately want to because there's something so compelling about being in relationship with Jesus Christ that you want more of it and you wanna share it with other people. That's what it means to be a part of the life of the church. So come and see what this is all about. I mean, I cannot tell you how fortunate you all are. You have an orchestra every Sunday, 7,000 voice choir back there. I mean, this is unreal. I mean, I, I just can't even imagine that. And you have it every week. That is how God works on us. And that shows you how God provides. Moses said, don't you forget God, you're crossing into the promised land. Don't you forget what God has done for you. Remember God provides for you. We through Jesus Christ as New Testament people need to remind ourselves every time we gather together in worship that God provides for us in and through Jesus Christ. And that naturally happens when we're here. So many organizations and clubs have criteria in order to participate. You have to live in a certain school district in order to go to a certain school. They have rules about that. In order to be a part of a particular organization, sometimes you have to have a certain level of income and you have to pay a monthly fee. And if you don't have that level of income and you can't pay that monthly fee, you're not a part of that organization. Some are based on gender, some are based on race. Whatever it may be, there are all kinds of organizations and there are all kinds of clubs out there in the world that have set criteria. You know what the criteria is in the church? Be yourself, just show up. We don't care. We don't care about your level of income. We don't care about how many diplomas you have on the wall. We don't care if you haven't graduated from high school. We don't care. We don't care how old you are, how young you are, how many times you've been married. We don't care about any of that. You come in here, you're as broken and messed up as I am. And let me tell you, if you're as broken as messed up as I am, you're broken and messed up. That means you need Jesus Christ. And everybody fits into that category without exception. So... We remind ourselves that through the institution we call the church, that is the primary way in which we experience what Jesus Christ can provide for all of us. See, scripture says you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And that price is the blood of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul says, it's no longer I who live. It is Christ who lives in me. And you come just as you are. There's no pretense in the church. That's the great thing. You don't have to put on airs. Just be who you are. And then you'll find your potential even in the midst of all of that. When I was in high school and I went to Trinity High in Euless, we are Trojans bold and true, senior, senior, 82, yay. (laughs) When I went to Trinity High, I had, at the time my dad was the pastor at William C. Martin United Methodist Church in Bedford. So I had a young man in my youth group who was a friend of mine. He was as socially awkward as anybody I've ever known. He had a terrible problem with acne. He didn't know how to relate to people well. He was always saying inappropriate things, trying to be cool and fit in. He was what we would say today on a daily basis, bullied. He was a nobody at school. Nobody cared about him and almost everybody made fun of him. But you know what? You know what he was in the church? He was the president of the youth group. Somebody who's a nobody out there is by golly somebody in here. And that's what we need to remember. There's no pretense in the church. I don't come in here trying to be somebody I'm not because that's not who God made me to be. You can't come in here trying to be somebody you're not because it's not gonna last long. You can't keep it up. So why don't we just come as we are and let Jesus Christ provide for us everything we need during this season of Lent as we really focus on what all of that means for us. The great news is you have a body of believers we call the church who gather together, all of us imperfect in so many different ways, but all of us driven by the power of the Holy Spirit to experience what it is God would have us to do and who it is God would have us to be. And there's nothing greater for any of us than being a part of the life of the church. I like to make fun of John in a loving way because John makes fun of me all the time and it always hurts my feelings, but <laughs> it's been, that's been the way it is for all these years. I'm kidding, we have the best of relationships. But I think about moving John in in 1992 I get disoriented around here because you've built a couple of buildings since I was here uh, in 1992. And I've been here many, many, many times over the years to worship. My son, Sam, by the way, plug for Saturday night. My son, Sam, is the Saturday night preacher. He's a stud. You ought to go hear him. Yeah. I don't want to take away from this service, John. I hope nobody's in here next week and they're all here. We came Saturday night. Sorry, John. Sorry. John offered Sam a job when Sam was four years old. And John was true to his word. And when Sam graduated from seminary, he ended up at White's Chapel. And I promise you, I promise you, I don't want him to be anywhere else. I cannot imagine him being anywhere else because of what you all have done for all these years. When I helped John move in, it really was depressing. Now, some of you may have been here back then. That's just the way it was. South Lake was rather depressing, to be honest, because there was nothing out here. I mean, it was just out in the country. And then all of these things have happened over all of these years. This is not by accident. It didn't it just happen? There's a lot of sweat, equity put into all this, a lot of money, time, energy, and effort, and mostly it is people who have listened to the voice of God through the life of the church and responded accordingly. Look what has happened as a result. God provides if we will listen, if we will praise God together, if we will gather and be who God calls us to be as messed up as we are, Nothing is impossible with God. This church is a shining example proving that. So you think about who you are and what it means to be a part of this life of this church. And you think about what it means to recognize how Jesus Christ had provided for you in your own life and how that will live itself out through the life of this church. You have such an extraordinary opportunity. Now you think about this. At White's Chapel, you can bring your newborn. And your earliest memories for that newborn will always be, I was included, and God and God's church love me. That will never change. For those teenagers who are a part of White's Chapel, who are kind of going through that awkward stage in life that we all go through, who always want to fit in and always want to be somebody, and not everybody gets to fit in and not everybody gets to be somebody, guess what? At White's Chapel, within the youth ministry of this church, by golly, you're somebody, and you will always be somebody to us, and most importantly, to God. That's what God provides for children, and that's what God provides for youth in the life of this church. And for people who have gone through divorces, and people who have lost a loved one to death, and people who have addictions, and people who just don't know where to go and what to do next. This is the place in where you can come and be among a group of people who oftentimes know your story, and most importantly, the God we know in and through Jesus Christ knows your story and is willing to transform you right here. That's what God provides at White's Chapel. We don't care about your age, we don't care about your income. We don't care about your level of power in the community. None of that matters. Because the good news is when we gather together, we are one in Jesus Christ. So that's the joy. So, you know somebody out there, what in the world, what good can anything come out of White's Chapel Methodist Church? Well, come and see, we'll show you. We got a lot to tell you. And your life will be forever changed by changing the life of someone else you've invited to be here. So if the church is not a dance hall, and the church is not a steakhouse, and the church is not a lingerie store, what is the church? It's you and me and the Holy Spirit. And with that, God will provide everything. Hallelujah.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com, Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.